Good morning, Lighthouse Community Church. It is Trey Moore with India Rural Evangelical Fellowship, and I am so excited to be with you today. Uh, just to share on your missions month and to be a part of that, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, I really appreciate you welcoming me into your living room or wherever you're watching this message today. Uh, I want to give you a quick update on IREF and what God is doing in India, and then we're going to jump into the Word of God and talk about challenging seasons and the way that God is with us in the midst of those seasons. So for those of you that don't know, uh, India Rural Evangelical Fellowship, I'm going to refer to it as IREF. Uh, we're an organization that helps children break the cycle of poverty through education. Our ministry is home to over 800 children, and they're between the ages of 6 and 21. We also share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only with the children on our campus, but we also share the gospel through our 62 church plants and through gospel meetings and village meetings. My role with IREF is that I'm the U.S. Director, and uh, basically as U.S. Director, I spend three months a year in India. Uh, I'm on the campus getting the heartbeat and just ministering along with the Reba family. And then I come back to the States and communicate what God is doing with churches and individuals and invite them to be a part of our mission. I want to give you a quick update on how COVID-19 has impacted our ministry. Uh, we started feeling the effects of COVID-19 on March 19th. The state government reached out to all the schools and closed the schools. But then they also said, we want all of the kids in the boarding schools to go home. So we want everybody separated. Now you can imagine 800 children at IREF um, all needing to go home. And so some of them had to call parents that had to come and get them. But about 10% of our kids had no family. They have nowhere to go. And so they had to team up with their friends and, and basically just go home to a friend's house. So it was very chaotic for us. It was stressful. Um, and we're sad to, to have the kids at home during this time and during the lockdown. But the following Thursday, the prime minister announced that there would be a nationwide lockdown. So trains were shut down, flights, highways were closed. And what that resulted in was an Indian exodus where people were walking two to 300 miles to try to get to their villages. And so we were thankful that our kids were able to get home safely before the overall lockdown. Now, while we're saddened by the kids not being at the campus, God is still using IREF uh, during this season. We have IREF TV, and the IREF TV broadcast has two sermons per week that are aired on cable television uh, to Telugu-speaking subscribers, and that reaches 90 million people per week with the gospel of Jesus. And so we continue to air those two sermons. Emmanuel Reba is still preaching the word uh, through television. And then we're also doing relief packages and care packages for families. And so what that looks like for us right now is we're inviting people to come and receive 50 pounds of rice, groceries, uh, seasonings, and spices. And the first group that we thought would be uh, worth honoring and, and giving these care packages to was the sanitation workers. They are out working around the clock, and we invited them to our campus uh, in a social distancing safe manner. And we gave them their care packages and said, we honor you, we appreciate you, and we recognize the work you're doing for our community. And that was a real blessing to be able to bless them. And what I want to say this morning, Lighthouse, is all of this, the TV broadcast, the care packages, even the educating and taking care of the kids, 
none of that is possible without your partnership. And so on this Missions Month, I just come here so humbly and just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your partnership with us. We love Pastor Doug and I had the opportunity to have him come to India last year and we just love you guys. And so we're appreciative and I just love that I get to hang out with you today. So why don't we get into God's Word? We're going to look at John chapter 4 this week. And as I said earlier, we're going to talk about challenges and difficulties and how sometimes God takes us down these difficult paths, but He's with us in the midst of them. So you can turn to John chapter 4 on your phone, or if you have your Bible with you, you can jump there now. I went to Bible school in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. It was a small Bible school, and there was a teacher that I really looked up to there. His name was Corey. And during my sophomore year at Bible school, Corey was coming to my hometown in Illinois. I was so excited, and I had the opportunity to go with Corey uh, back home to Illinois. I got to sit on the plane with him, and it felt like such a big deal as a sof sophomore in Bible college. We get there, and the, he has this conference, and the Lord begins touching people, and young adults' hearts are set on fire, and I'm sitting there going, this is so cool to sit back and to watch all of this in my hometown and with someone that I look up to. And the last night of the conference, you know, Corey and I are talking and he said, so you're staying here, right? And I said, yeah, I'm staying for a week. It was spring break. And so Corey goes up on stage and he's, he calls all the young adults and he goes, hey, listen, Trey's going to be staying here for another week and we're going to have night meetings continue. I'm leaving, but Trey's going to be staying here and I invite you to go and to join uh, in prayer and worship with Trey and it's just going to be a special time. You can imagine me sitting in the back having no warning of this. The lump in my throat that began to grow and thinking, you know, if he's leaving when this can't continue, you know, I can't, I can't do any of this. And it was easy for me to stand next to Corey and occasionally pray for people and to watch God move. But suddenly I was propelled into a place of authority and leadership that I had never been in. I want to tell you this morning that God has a way of using the awkward, difficult, challenging seasons in our life to, to call us higher and to call us closer to Him. And today we're going to look at a story of when Jesus takes His disciples to a difficult place and He challenges them and in response they're changed. So John chapter 4 is where we're going to look at today. And I want to start with John chapter 4 verse 1. So John 4, 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Look at that last verse. He needed to go through Samaria. So they're in Judea. They're going to go south to Galilee. And Jesus needs to go through Samaria. That's the title of my sermon today. He needed to go through Samaria. Samaria. So Jesus had spent six months in Judea. Uh, we see this because Jesus came into Judea in John 3, 22, after he had kept the feast at Jerusalem. And now he left for Judea four months before the harvest. So it's accurate to say that Jesus was there for six months. Now the question is, what was Jesus doing for six months? His ministry lasted three and a half years and one seventh of his ministry, six months of the three and a half years, was spent in Judea. I want to tell you this morning, he, it, it takes time to develop disciples. Disciples aren't made overnight, and Jesus has this beautiful, intimate time with his disciples in Judea, where he begins to teach them about his Father. He teaches them about the kingdom, and now it's time for them to leave. 
Now, the good, the good news is, is that a lot of these disciples, most if not all of them, have been to Galilee. So when Jesus goes to the disciples, he says, hey, team, we're going to go to Galilee. There's an excitement. It's like, yeah, okay, I like Galilee. But then we look at verse 4, and it says that he needed to go through Samaria. So the disciples are planning on going to Galilee, but Jesus is going to take them on a detour. Why is this such a big deal? I'm going to give you a two-minute history lesson on the Samaritans and the Jews. So if you love history, uh, this is going to be your time to lean in. This is really fascinating. If you don't, you're at home right now. So you can get up, get a cup of coffee, come back in two minutes, and we'll continue the message. Um, Two-minute history on the Jews and Samaritans. Hatred between the Jews and Samaritans was fierce and longstanding. In some ways, this dated all the way back to the patriarchs. Jacob had 12 sons, whose descendants became the 12 tribes, and Joseph, his favorite, was despised by the other brothers. Many of us know that. Uh, They attempted to do away with him. God intervened and not only preserved Joseph's life, but used him to preserve the lives of the entire family. So before his death, Jacob gave Joseph a blessing. The blessing was fulfilled and territory allotted to the tribes of Joseph's two sons, and that land was eventually Samaria. Later, Israel divided into two kingdoms. You had a northern kingdom called Israel, and they established its first capital at Shechem. And later, that became the hilltop city of Samaria. So when Israel divided to the north and south, the north eventually became Samaria. In 722 BC, Assyria conquered northern Israel and took its people into captivity. The invaders brought in Gentiles, and they resettled in the land. The foreigners brought with them their pagan idols, which the remaining Jews began to worship alongside the God of Israel. That's in 2 Kings. So they are not only worshiping God, but they're also worshiping now pagan gods. Intermarriages also took place. That's happening in the northern kingdom. And in the southern kingdom, uh, Judah fell to Babylon in 600 B.C. Its people, too, were carried off into captivity. But 70 years later, a remnant of 43,000 was permitted to return and rebuild Jerusalem. So the southern kingdom now gets to rebuild their city. They're so excited. And the people who now inhabited the former northern kingdom, the Samaritans, vigorously tried to undermine the attempt to reestablish the nation. So the northern kingdom is not letting the southern kingdom reestablish the nation. And for the next 550 years, walls of bitterness are built. So there is so much hatred and so much prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, They're like distant cousins, but they just don't like each other. And this is the place now where Jesus is wanting to take his disciples. Normally a trip from Judea to Galilee would take two and a half days, two and a half day journey. But the Jewish people were willing to travel three extra days. So five and a half days to go around Samaria. If you went through Samaria, it's a quick journey. But if you want to avoid Samaria, as many did, it would be a long journey. You must really hate someone to walk three extra days to avoid them. So let's continue with the story. We're going to look at John chapter 4, verse 5. Now you kind of understand Samaria. This is where they're going. And this is uh, the context for this story. So verse 5, he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus sat therefore, being wearied from his journey, and sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Now listen to this. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. That's what she told Jesus. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So this Samaritan woman and Jesus, they go back and forth talking about this living water. And then finally, the woman in verse 15, she says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw again. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And then Jesus replies, you have well said, I have no husband for you have five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband and that you've spoken truly. So Jesus calls this out and she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet in verse 19. So they go back and forth and she's, uh, telling Jesus he's a prophet. She's telling him about her lineage. And Jesus is saying someday on this mountain, there will be worshipers that will arise. And it continues in verse 24. And he says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus just drops the bomb on her in verse 26. And he says, the person you're talking about, he said, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you're looking for. I am the one that your fathers have dreamed of. That's me. I'm here. This is incredible. He just says that right to her. So let's kind of look at the overview of this story. So they show up. Jesus tells the disciples to look for food. This was not an easy task. They have to go talk to Samaritans and try to get food. Then Jesus sits by the well and he's weary. Jesus meets the desperate housewife of Samaria He gives her a word of knowledge and he says, you don't have a husband. You have five and the one you're with is not your husband. She thinks he's a prophet. And then he closes by saying that he is her savior. And today, Lighthouse, I want to make three observations from this text that talks about doing mission with Jesus. What does it look like when Jesus takes us to Samaria? What does it look like when we follow Jesus to uncomfortable places? Here's my first observation this morning. Mission with Jesus means addressing what you otherwise would have avoided. Mission with Jesus means addressing what we otherwise would have avoided. Many of us enjoy following Jesus, but we conveniently avoid what is difficult and what is painful. And these disciples loved their six months with Jesus in Judea. I I can see them just treasuring those six months. And the first place that Jesus then takes them is Samaria. And I can't imagine what entered their mind when they went into Samaria. You know, in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I can picture the disciples having a fantasy draft of who's going to go where. And, you know, John the Beloved probably gets the first pick. And he goes, you know, Jerusalem's a big city, but I'll, I'll take Jerusalem. Peter goes, well, and I got Judea. And then all the other disciples go, I'll take the ends of the earth. I don't, <laughs> I don't want Samaria. And Jesus puts that in there because he will take us to places like Samaria. And sometimes it's places in our own heart. It's places that we don't want to deal with. And as we pray and we talk to the Lord, he begins to highlight some of those places. And other times it's a people group or it's a place or an issue that we're not uh, wanting to deal with. And so mission with Jesus means addressing what we otherwise would have avoided. The second one is mission with Jesus means expanding our limits of God's love. 
believe it or not, I can guarantee that you and myself have a limit on the love of God. God's love is limitless, and it's so easy for us to put language to that, but the reality is in our life, there are things that we limit God's love. This is shown in our actions. It's shown in the way we treat others, and I would say, most importantly, it's probably shown in the way that we treat ourselves. When we sin, when we fall short, the limit that we place on God's love for us is typically evident. You know, Francis Chan says this in his book, Crazy Love. He says, not being able to fully understand God is frustrating, but it is ridiculous for us to think we have the right to limit God to something we are capable of comprehending. What a stunted, insignificant God that would be. If my mind is the size of a soda can and God is the size of all of the oceans, it would be foolish for me to say that he is only the small amount of water that I can scoop into my soda can. God is so much bigger and so far beyond our time encased air, food, sleep dependent lives. And as the disciples followed Jesus into Samaria, they learned something profound about the love of God. They learned that God loves their enemies. And I don't know how they processed that, to think that they, the hatred that they had towards the Samaritans, to see the love that Jesus had for this woman, really had to work up some things in their own heart that they had to work through. And we're going to finish this story, and then I'll give you the third and final point. So we left off in verse 27, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 28. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to them, Come see a man who told me all the things that I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples said, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. The disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And Jesus is telling his disciples, you can see that the fields aren't ready for harvest, but I want to tell you, look up, lift up your eyes. The harvest is ready. We, many of us know the verse that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And Jesus is telling the disciples to look and to engage with the harvest. Our third and final point this morning is mission with Jesus means harvest. It means harvest. Staying inside won't reap you a harvest. You have to go out and reap the harvest. If the disciples stayed in Jerusalem, the Samaritan woman would have never met Jesus. If the disciples and Jesus would have avoided Samaria, she would have never met Jesus. Mission with Jesus means harvest. As you live with Jesus, those around you will begin to see him in your life and they will be changed as well. Let me ask you a few questions in closing. First question, is there something that you're avoiding? Mission with Jesus means addressing what we otherwise would have avoided. What is the Samaria in your life that you're avoiding? During this COVID-19 time with sports and entertainment and everything else being pushed away, we're kind of stuck with some of our stuff. What are some things that you're avoiding in your heart? Ask the Lord to come in and meet you in those areas. 
Second question, have you placed the limit on God's love? Have you been harsh with yourself and not showing yourself grace? Is there someone in your life that you've, you've said there's no way that God could love that person? What are some of the limits that you're placing on the love of God? And the third and final one, mission with Jesus means harvest. So the question for that is who in your life needs saving? I believe that we all have uh, a person in our lives like the Samaritan woman that needs a touch from heaven. And it doesn't take Pastor Doug or missionary Trey to come in there and to lead them to Christ. God has given you what you need in Christ Jesus to share your own testimony, your own story with them and to invite them into that. Look, this morning we're, we're looking at the story of Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go through there. It built trust in his disciples and it built a breakthrough in their relationship with Jesus. And with COVID-19, a lot of us have gone through some really difficult things. Some of us have, have had our marriage kind of fall apart, relationships struggling. Some of you I know have lost your jobs and financially you're feeling unstable. For some of us, we live alone in our apartment or our home and we're feeling isolated and we're feeling lonely. And I want to tell you something this morning that Jesus went to Samaria with his disciples. Do you catch that? He didn't send his disciples to Samaria and say, go find the Samaritan woman. He went with them. And I want to just tell you this morning, Jesus is with you. He is with you right now. And even now in this message, I just want you to encourage you to receive that. Some of you might just need to whisper that out loud in your couch or on your iPhone watching this message. Just say, Lord, you are with me. Just say that, Lord, you are with me. In this Samaria, this lost time, God, you are with me in this moment. I'll close with this encouraging story. There's a father and son who went for a walk, and uh, the son is about 9, 10 years old, and they're walking from their house. They go down the street. They take a turn, take another turn, and they've been walking for about an hour. Father looks down at his son, and he said, Son, do you know where we are? The son said, I have no idea. And the father started laughing, and he said, It sounds to me like you're lost. And the son looked up at his father and he said, I'm not lost. The father, surprised, looked back at his son and said, how are you not lost? And the son said, as long as I'm with you, I'm not lost. And I want to remind you this morning that as long as you're with the father, you're going to be okay. The father is with you. He is your comforter and he is your strength. This morning, I just want to pray for you, just a blessing over you and your family and, and Lighthouse Community Church that the Lord would continue to walk with us. And I believe that coming out of this COVID-19 pandemic, and even in the midst of it, we're going to see a harvest. We're going to see many, many, many people, both in India and in Michigan, and even in my hometown in Northern Illinois, that God is going to break through in a really special way. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we just pause for a moment to say that you are with us. You are with us, Lord. I pray for your presence to surround every hurting heart, every confused mind, every lonely soul. Father, you said that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. And there are many that are feeling weak and taking that step. And just as you came and you found that Samaritan woman and you said, I am the Christ, and you freed her, even in all of her sin and her shame and her story, you delivered her and the disciples were a witness to that. Lord, would you come and deliver us? Would you speak to us? Would you open up our mind? 
and address the things that maybe we would have avoided, that we could live on mission with you. Thank you for Lighthouse Community Church. Thank you for Doug and Sean and their family. I just pray a special blessing over the church. I pray a special blessing for all who are watching, just over your family, that you would feel the love and the nearness of Jesus Christ. We bless your name, Lord. Amen.